The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 178 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you on this fine Tuesday morning? Mm -hmm. Reeling. I think the whole country's angry and divided. Should Luke Walton have gotten fired? I think that's sort of the issue on everyone's minds right now. Yeah. First of all, we should say that I believe that Luke Walton being the first coach fired would have been the favorite on BovadaSportsbook.com. And usually that means that the Kings should have just fired him in the offseason. Like, if you fire a coach, I think 25-ish games into the season, I believe this was 17 games in, right? Sacramento 6-11 and 11 at the time of him getting fired. Like, what did you see early in the season that made you feel like, ah, this is the guy? We know this is not the guy now, but he could have been the guy, you know, a month ago, Zan. Like, what? what right. where's there, the There's somebody who that? posted that, too. I forgot I should credit on Reddit. But, like, it's a general rule. That if you fire a coach in the first third of the season, you should have fired him. I mean, yeah. like, how much of a leeway did he get? I mean, you know, 6-11, and 11, it was a disappointing start. I think we all thought they would be a little better than that, but not much better than that. Maybe 8-9 and nine is what you would expect based on the roster. I mean, it's not like um, – it's hard to, you know, defend Luke Walton, but it, it is an odd firing just because, like, you know, last year they were 31-41. and 41. And you think, okay, we kind of need to mix it up, right? Like, that's not good enough. League worst defense. And they didn't. Like, they kept the whole team. And they kept the coach. And then you come out next season and you have about the same record. And, and you shouldn't be surprised by that. So, the Kings have now, if you, we won't count Alvin Gentry as, like, he's an interim coach. He's been, this, he's been an interim coach, like, I think three or four other times. He's actually turned it into a full-time job a couple times. But everyone loves Alvin Gentry. He's fantastic. They said, it's not to cut you off, they, they said in the in the statements that there are benchmarks for him to keep the job in theory. What do you think those benchmarks would be? I have, I have absolutely no idea. Like, I, I couldn't even tell you because, like, this team is, like, they're 6-12 and 12 as of us recording right now. They've De'Aaron Fox has been disappointing this year. He certainly has not taken another jump into that, like, superstardom category. But they've gotten good seasons, like, Halliburton's been quite good. Harrison Barnes has been quite good. Rashawn Holmes has been very, very good. They like he's been their most important and probably best player. And it's like, I don't know what's going to turn this team around other than like some unsustainable, maybe very hot shooting for like a week or two. And like that's not going to be Alvin Gentry. Like I I can understand like Luke Walton having lost the locker room. I've said this to you on this podcast, I don't know, a hundred times. The only time I think you should fire a coach in season is if like players are just openly insubordinate and like are just not listening anymore. Like if, if there's no sense of like culture or like kind of like role defining or anything like that in the locker room, because the head coach is just being tuned out, then I'm, I think it's okay to do it. But in this case, like it's so early in the season, like there, there can't be any 
I don't, I don't know, Zan. Like maybe if their defense starts playing better, but again, like. But that, yeah, I think this, it's there's two problems in Sacramento, and I two main problems, and I don't think either one was Luke Walton. I think the two main. I'm not saying he was this part of the solution, but um, I think the two major problems. One, like you kind of alluded to, this is going to upset Kings fans, but like De'Aaron Fox has just not been, not like been an all star player. Yeah. I mean, like look at this shooting. You know, shooting. He's never been a great three point shooter. Down to twenty four percent. 71% from the line. That's troubling. True shooting under 50%. That's really bad. And last year we kind of chalked it up to, you know, he's hurt. It, it kind of running out of excuses. You're 24. Like maybe he's just not a max guy. And then suddenly he's your franchise player. Right. Like that might limit your ceiling. They've done some very odd things from a, a roster standpoint. Like- right. And that was going to be a max point is like the roster construction where it's like their defense was horrible last year. The worst in the league. And then in theory, we're going to draft Davion Mitchell, big time defender, but he's small. And then you're just adding him to a roster that's small and yeah, he you have looks, to play a small roster. He looks every bit as good of a defender as people described him, but he's not Drew Holiday because he's not 6'4". Like, and he's right. not that and big. He can't, so he, and you're playing him next to a small guard and De'Aaron Fox. And then you have to play Buddy Heald, who's not a good big guy. And Terry's Halberton's big for a guard, but he can't really it's play not a forward. defender. Yeah. That's it. You can't throw him on a wing. And it's like, I, and so I, I don't even think like the Davion Mitchell pick, like, honestly, like that sort of made sense from the standpoint of like, this is what we want to improve. But then when you like, you trade DeLon Wright for like Tristan Thompson, you only have one rim protector. Like Alex Len has not been very good. They, they gotten, they've getting nothing from Marvin Bagley. He's like refusing to go in games, whatever, you know, they, they have Damian Jones, they have Taron Davis. They're, they're starting like Chimizzi Metu some, like, this is just a, there are some good players at the top of this roster. Like I, I do think De'Aaron Fox is good. I, I, I think we. I think he's I, fine. But like, what's the plan if you draft? Because he's a true point guard, right? De'Aaron Fox is not like a hybrid guard by any stretch of the imagination. I, I would say he's more of a hybrid. I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's not big enough to like guard shooting guards. Though. He's so definitely he, more. Of, oh, oh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Not in terms of his play style, but just right. In terms of he where can score. Can yeah. yeah, he needs but, the ball. He need, he's, he's a point guard for sure. And so then you take Davion Mitchell. Lead like, guard, if you will. Lead guard. And Davion Mitchell, maybe offensively. I mean, like, what's the best case scenario? Can you play those two guys together? Even? I think, I, I don't I think know. they wanted the shooting. We talked about this with Davion Mitchell over the summer, I believe, or maybe towards the end of the NCAA season last year. But, you know, this is a guy that was a really good shooter at Baylor for one year. Right. And and right. I think if you believed in the shooting, if you believed that he was a 40% three point shooter, then it masks a lot of his mistakes because he's not exactly a point guard, but he, he can be for sure. But he's very small and he's not like an amazing distributor. He's pretty good. He protects the ball. But again, like he needs to be a good shooter he's shooting 26% from three. And some of that's going to be playing with De'Aaron Fox and, it's it's a little different, I think, if he's a guy that can't kind of get to the rim and, and beat guys to the basket and finish. Like, I, I don't think – this was my problem with drafting Davion Mitchell in the lottery. And I, I remember being stunned, Zan, that like I, – I don't mean to turn this into like a Davion Mitchell like bash right. fest. And he may become a good player for all I know. He might, he's already a very good defender. But, like, the ceiling on offensive players – or on offensive limited, offensively limited players – is not super high to begin with. And then like you can be Scotty Barnes when you're like six, eight or six, nine, you can guard five positions and you can play center sometimes if you can't shoot. But like Davion Mitchell, like you, you can't play him in a three guard lineup really unless De'Aaron Fox is going to score 25 plus points a game. Cause otherwise like your offensive production is going to be much more limited than you need it to be. And then you're definitely going to give back stuff on the defensive end because you're playing, you know, six, two, 
Tyrese Halliburton, who's not a good defender, and then Davion Mitchell, who's like maybe six one on a good day. And I think like that's yeah. hard. Those are the I think the, blocks the, the Celtics I think got into that trouble a while back where you know they had a small team and it's like Avery Bradley theoretically good defender, Marcus Smart is obviously a good defender. But if they have to continually guard like six, seven guys, like that's not a winning matchup for them. So like you, you're not taking advantage of their defense. So I do want to say one thing about the Kings though. And, and I don't know that like, I don't don't really know what the plan is for the future. And and it does seem like this is the type of team that would just hire Alvin Gentry and be like, we'll figure it out because players really like him. And he's a very different voice than somebody like Luke Walton would be my guess. But like they've had now, so they fired Mike Malone, right, in, in season in, in 2014. And Mike Malone, very clearly a pretty good basketball coach, right, Zan? I think we can yes, agree that, yeah. like, probably Sacramento was the problem, not Mike Malone. But Mike Malone, Ty Corbin interim, didn't, didn't end up keeping the job. They hired George Carl. He makes it two years. They hired Dave Yeager. He makes it, what, I think three-ish three years. years. Pretty solid years, but, but he I was guess okay. he a personality but, problem. But he won at a 40% clip, and George Carl won at a 40% clip, like 39.3% and 39.8% for Carl and Jaeger. And then they hire Luke Walton, and like, I, I just don't know that the, that the Kings coaching staff is what we need to be worried about here. And again, I, I, I think Luke Walton was always a bit overrated as like uh, this awesome head coaching candidate because he went like 25-0 and 0 in a stint with the Warriors where, you know, he clearly did some good things and you have to manage egos, but like their front office and like ownership has got to figure out a way to bring in more talent and to construct a better fitting roster. Right. And the problem is it's, it's probably too late in the year where it's like, we talked about this last week, I think assets, you know, they can, you know, appreciate or depreciate the time to change the roster was the off season. Right. You know, like, cause now the bloom is off the rose for Davion Mitchell. You know, he might be, an, he, maybe he's Marcus Smart, maybe one day, but right now he doesn't look even on that, like he's going to get to that level. And people were excited about him in the lottery. You know, Tyrese Halliburton's stock was probably higher at the end of last season because he was coming off a great rookie year. If you don't believe in Buddy Heald, maybe trade him back when, you know, they were like trying to trade him. They were like trying know? to trade Buddy Heald, though. And I do think it's interesting, like, Maybe if the Lakers don't end up getting Russell Westbrook and this buddy healed for like KCP Kuzma Trez deal goes through, then like Sacramento's a better team because of it. Well, did you see the conspiracy theory? I don't know if you saw this clip. They were playing the Sixers and buddy healed went over to Doc Rivers at the end of the game. Did you see this? And he um, like shielded his mouth with his jersey and like said something to Doc Rivers. And the speculation is, you know, trade for me, get me out of here kind of thing. He he said that our Davion Mitchell said that. No, no, this is Buddy Healed. Oh, Buddy Healed. I mean, I think that they've they, they've been very bad to Buddy, other than like paying him. You know, he's a guy that is he's kind of been like jerked around a bunch. Like I think Buddy makes sense in another spot because you just know you're getting a 40% three-point shooter and he's got a reasonable contract to trade. But I I just I think that like we talk about this a lot, and and just because the Suns have managed to sort of like escape that like mediocrity of a franchise with like a bad owner. I don't know. Yeah, that every do you think it's Vivek? Do you, is I, I mean, I think he's part of the problem for sure. Like I, I can't, I can't, you know, I don't know how we kind of assign blame all the way around, but also like Sacramento in a lot of ways, it's like a pretty odd place to even like have an NBA team. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're more of a California guy, but it's not like this 
giant media market. Now they have no. a really nice arena. They've definitely improved. I know the Maloofs were not like amazing owners to the team, even though the team was quite good when they were there. But I think they've improved a good bit around like the infrastructure of the team. But I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in like 15 years. So like we're not, this, right. this isn't like Luke Walton's fault. And again, you know, Luke Walton was very underwhelming head coach with the Lakers and he's very underwhelming head coach with the Kings. So like, I think they can get better, but like firing well, it's, Luke it's Walton. Not like, it's, Alvin Gentry is not the magic. Elixir. Oh, the and, team will play better with Alvin Gentry. I bet you. Like, I bet you. Yeah, their he's record, fine. He's but fine. like, but you're right. Like, if you're a small market team, and if you were like starting the NBA from scratch and you're picking 30 te- cities, Sacramento would probably be like 35th on your yeah, list. I don't know right? why. You know, and I'm not. And again, I'm not even saying like, oh, move them to Vegas or it doesn't belong there. But I just but think there I are think, some limitations. I think you of- have to consider. I mean, that's my point. Is like, if you're a small market team like New Orleans, like Sacramento, I'm not sure which of the two is bigger. You can't have a bad front office. You can't have bad ownership because then you're constantly in jeopardy of being moved. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and I think like like the Kings are enough of a franchise, like enough of an established franchise that this is not an issue. Like I don't think they'll get moved. Now you might cut this because this might be too d- a dicey of a topic. I don't know. I mean, uh, we don't need to talk about it if it's dicey. We have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Let's talk about critical race theory. No, uh, let's talk about um, critical because we're just theory. talking about Vegas. And by all accounts, the expansion, sports expansion to Vegas has gone well. Like Vegas the, is getting hockey an, teams. Vegas is getting an NBA team. I don't sure. know when. I don't know who it is. I don't know. Well, because it's Oklahoma a combination City. of things. Like people were getting. always worried about gambling, but now there's gambling everywhere. And yeah. the hockey team's doing well and the Raiders were doing well. But here's my question. This is the controversial part. Do you think the Raiders off the field problems? in any way cloud Vegas as a, as a market. Does that make, you know, cause rugs got in trouble. Me the, are you telling me that the Raiders now are more problematic than the Raiders were 25 that's years true, ago? But I don't know. That's like, is, is there the any part of the league that says no, like, I don't think so. gosh, we don't want to get people in trouble in Vegas. I think what, I think what the NHL realized is that you could make Vegas a destination city for teams and it's in, in the NFL it's even it's much more different right because it's just 16 games but I think for for seasons like you know baseball which is extremely long and then basketball and hockey which are 82 games I think they originally thought like ah you know people don't want to come to Vegas for like one night but what they've started to realize is like one there is there are people around Las Vegas who live outside of like the strip area and like they want to be fans of a team but then two People who are just like in Vegas because people just go to Vegas all the time just for random vacations will go see a hockey game or will go see, you know, my guess is a basketball game. Like, sure. And, and so yeah, I think like, like that Vegas can support 10 Cirque du Soleil shows. They can support they a can, basketball game. Right. And, and so I think like, you know, I don't think Sacramento is in danger of being moved. I, I've not heard anything like that. But I do think Sacramento has tried very hard to kind of make their team more of a destination than it was in the past, but it's still probably unless they're going to shell out like a bunch of max contracts to guys, you know, I think well, they, need to, speaking, they need to be so more say, shrewd in team building. And that's so just say the bottom you're line. The guy. Vivek calls you up. He heard you on the podcast and he says, thank you for defending my city. What do I do? Practically speaking, I'm in this bad situation. Honestly, I have I don't this even, roster. I don't know. Like I, I would, well, is the solution Ben Simmons? I mean, probably not. I don't, I mean, I, I don't think so. Like, I don't think they. Cause you're bombing this job interview right now. Well, I you think so. There's, so, there's so, no solution. 
Yeah, I mean, there is a solution, obviously, but I don't think it's like a quick fix. Like one of the things with the with the with the Kings that I think is a problem is that like they're so in the middle right now. They have to decide, like, are we going for it? And are we going to try to, like, just continue to add around the edges because this core is good enough or are we not going for it? And in which case, then you got to get value for Harrison Barnes. you got to get value probably for Rashawn Holmes. Maybe try to get some value for Marvin Bagley, get some value for Buddy Heald. And then you can kind of see, like, all right, what can we do with Fox, Halliburton, and Davion Mitchell? And I think that's kind of like, I'm never, I, I don't like when teams tank. I'm not advocating for that. But I also think for the Kings specifically, they just keep drafting in like the eight to 12 range. And like, it's, right. it's very hard in, in this NBA to not, to be super successful without a star. And well, I think if you're we right. don't like, think De'Aaron Fox is that guy, and he's probably not, he's probably better as a two, like as the number two guy then like yeah. you've got to figure out a way to get that number one guy. And so I would I say you, you need to try to find right. value. And for that's your- where I would defend Vivek where it's like, like they haven't been successful, but the NBA is just really hard, right? It is. There's oh, 30 yeah. teams and you're like De'Aaron Fox is your franchise guy and you're happy with him, but he's like a pretty good starter. You know, it's just like, that's not going to get me enough and it's not going to get me in the top five pick wise either. So like I'm stuck in that purgatory. Can, can I ask you a question really quickly? So no, we don't uh, Rick, Rick Adelman obviously sense. is the best coach in like the history of the yeah. Kings, right? He had a 633 winning percentage somehow with the Kings. Did you know that Luke Walton has the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth best winning percentage as the Kings head coach and the best winning percentage since 2006 of any Kings head coach. That's, that's how like futile the franchise is. But we say this, you know, bad reputation. The Clippers were a horrible franchise. The Suns were considered a laughing stock. It just takes, it just takes one or two things to like change the narrative. And you know what? And it sucks because it's like, so did you trade for Chris Paul? Cause he's the guy that kind of you know. <laughs> fixes franchises. Yeah. I, I, I have to, there's egg on my face here as a big Marvin Bagley fan in college, like going Bagley over Doncic, like gosh, I mean, that, Zan, that like, might've doomed like your franchise for 10 Let years. me ask you a question. Do we know for a fact that Luka Doncic would have been good if he went to Sacramento? Well, they would have been fighting for the ball a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't and, think he would be saying, as good. This is a this is a prime example of why you should draft talent over fit in, in the first like three to four picks, right? Because if you end up with two guys that are like both superstars, then great. You'll you try to figure it out, right? And so sometimes it ends up like Philly, right? Sometimes you end up with Ben Simmons and Embiid and it blows up in your face, but other times it works out and you end up with two superstars and it's like well, and also like like this what if the just, Celtics had really drafted Jalen Brown, you know? Right. Like well, they would have gotten like Jamal Murray, they would have been fine, but this is reading the tea leaves a little bit and the subtext, but it felt like Vlade, everyone linked Vlade at the time, the GM to Luca. Cause they're both, you know, Eastern European or whatever. And it sounded like Vlade just got bad Intel on the guy and thought he was just difficult or whatever, or diva or just hard to work with. And that might've all been true, but Dallas is just in the hindsight, just been like, okay, we're just going to hand him the keys to the team and work around him. Cause he's that good. I don't remember that specifically what i do remember is that dallas knew at the time like we need to make this guy like the james harden role like let him play point right. guard whereas like i don't know and getting rid of dennis way. smith jr right away i mean zan like we've seen so many coaches do stupid things with players like do you recall like 
PJ Carlissimo is playing Kevin Durant as like a shooting guard. Like, you know what I mean? Like teams do dumb stuff with guys and and some are good enough to get over it. And I, I anticipate that Luca probably would have, but like the Kings probably were not planning on using Luca the same way Dallas was. And so I'm not saying that we'd see the same situation with Marvin, Marvin Bagley or that we've seen with Marvin Bagley, but like he's unplayable. He doesn't want to play when they want to play him. He has zero value. And like, you know, this was a guy that I think you could have probably credibly like bet on Bovada to win most improved player based on his talent last year or this year. And they're getting right. nothing out of him, like absolutely well, nothing. And I was, I thought he would be like Chris Bosch or something. So clearly I'm wrong, but they, and also you do wonder, let's flip it. Maybe Luca's not as good in Sacramento. Is there a world where Marvin Bagley is successful? I have to think so. Like, remember when he first got drafted? And well, like, I, don't know if, I don't know if Dallas would have taken Marvin Bagley. I think Dallas probably would have taken Trey Young. No, yeah. But I mean, like, is there, if he went to a great franchise, like, because remember at first, like, the Kings were like, maybe we'll play him at small forward or something. It's like, okay, I don't well, think he, he really That's know. what he wanted. Was yeah, so there. maybe maybe he's just a, such a flawed player that it's never going to work. But I don't know. Maybe there's a world where he develops better. It couldn't develop much worse. I mean, I for a number say, two pick you, to bomb you know, out like if you get. It's really interesting, right? With a guy like Marvin Bagley, he's played five games, but it's not like we've seen some good games from him in his career when he's been like a small ball five, but it's, it's, you know, this is a guy that was averaging like 14 points a game over his career and not playing like an extended amount of minutes. Like I think his career high in minutes is like 26 minutes a game. So he's clearly somebody that can score. He can rebound at a decently high rate. So like, I'm not sure like with the Kings specifically, like they, they, they're terrible with Rashawn Holmes not on the court. Right. So Bagley's defensive issues are definitely something that you have to pay attention to, but like that is where the coaching staff matters. Like you, you have to find a way to make Marvin Bagley a part of your team. Like, you or at least try it for more than they have. He's had, you know, last year he started, but he started he's 10 only games played in the first couple of years. He's only played 120 games. He's younger than, years. than Davion Mitchell. He's 22. I, I, I listen, I'm not saying I, I personally don't think it'll work in Sacramento, obviously. And Marvin Bagley right. and his people don't think it will work in Sacramento. His value is very, very low. Like so, so the two options you're saying are, you know, really sell off like the older parts, like Harrison Barnes, 29, Buddy Heald's actually 29 already. Sean Holmes is 28. And just like kind of kick the, you know, push your window back a little bit. Or do you try to package your guards in some way, like a two for one or three for one, and go get Ben Simmons? and see if maybe his size makes everything else fit around. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, we've talked about the Kings a bunch and I don't really want to like make up trades. Cause like we heard that the, you know, the Sixers have a list of like 30 guys that they'll trade Ben Simmons for. And my guess is De'Aaron Fox is not on that list. He could be though. He, he's but what about Halliburton and Buddy? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't think the Sixers will do that, but it may, I mean, it would make them better for sure. And I don't know that the Kings are like rushing to get rid of Tyrese Halliburton. And so like, that's, I think the problem here is that at some point, Whoever is running the franchise, and I, this has probably got to come from Vivek because, like, when you're the one that signs the checks, ultimately you need to make the decisions. But, like, you just have to decide. You're going to have to make some tough decisions. Like, are these guys that we drafted going to be part of the next good Kings team or are they not? And if they're not, then you, you probably have to go in a different direction. I mean, you definitely have to go in a different direction, but you also have to figure out, like, all right, how do we go in that different direction? And if I'm sitting here looking at, like, the fact that, winning 40% of my games is the only outcome I've gotten for 15 straight years through the guys that I've drafted. I'm, I'm probably going to try again, but I'm going to have to, like Monty you know McNair what? is the GM now. And I don't know how much he actually can do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what the behind the scenes looks like, but I think you've got to probably give him the directive to be like, 
all right, we're hiring a new coach. It's going to be your guy. We're allowing you to have this franchise for three years, four years to infuse new talent and make it like, you know, we're hopeful for the future. Cause like that's, they just don't have that right now. Well, and also like the playing tournament, I think is a great idea. Um, I think successful in year one kind of puts teams like the Kings in a weird spot though, because I would never want to be a back end of the, I wouldn't really want to compete to be a play in tournament team. Right. That's honest. the question. Like, Cause like right now it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like right now in the 10 spot, let's say is Minnesota eight and nine. And oh, you know, the only team ahead of you is Oklahoma city. Who's going to fall off. So like, it's basically Minnesota and the Kings, maybe the Spurs, but they're below you right now. I mean, Minnesota's, way, Minnesota's like significantly better. From yeah. I mean, standpoint. maybe you think Minnesota's too good, but maybe they get injured. Yeah, you never know. The team could just blow up. And again, that that's the thing. But I don't think, like, I'm all for teams going forward. And I'm all for but teams. But do you think that's forward. sort of the benchmark if they told Alvin Gentry? No. If they if, if they you, keep Alvin Gentry because he gets the 10 seed in the play-in tournament and loses a play-in game, like, that's a terrible process in my opinion. <laughs> what, if he makes, what if he makes the playoffs as the 8 seed? Do you think? Yeah, I think it? they probably would keep him. Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, there you I, go. There's, like said, there's your I, path, Alvin. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Let's get off the Kings for a second. Let's talk a little bit about uh, we alluded to the Lakers before, but obviously, you know, we love to talk about content and, you know, there was no bigger content than I think, I believe this was Sunday night, uh, LeBron and Isaiah Stewart get tangled up a little bit of a dirty play, in my opinion, by LeBron. I don't know that it was intentional, but he it, it, I think it probably was. I would be I, I would have been pissed if I was Isaiah Stewart. I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, but he kind of elbows Isaiah Stewart in the eye, bloodies him up. And Isaiah Stewart's, you know, furious. He's like running after LeBron. He has to be restrained. Russell Westbrook. That's like, like that's an understatement. Yeah. R- I mean. Russell Westbrook has his hands up. like He's going to fight. And they gave him a technical for that. Like Anthony Davis made a bunch of comments about how like he was ready to go, but he was the guy being held back like 25 feet from the altercation. So, but suspensions. If you down. haven't seen the clip, it's worth watching. Cause he, yeah, he charges through twice and then runs into the tunnel and the fear was he was going to run through the tunnel and out the tunnel and get him to the other side. Yeah. And so I, I, Isaiah Stewart, two game suspension, LeBron gets a one game suspension. Uh, the Lakers come back and win the game. Nobody really cared about that after both those guys were ejected. And I think that this is not really a huge, in my opinion, like this isn't really a huge story, but it is fun it's see. fun. We, we talked about the brawl. There was some other yeah. like fight last week. It was Dwight Howard, like shoving somebody. This was fun to watch. We liked the it. It was. It was good content. Like Isaiah Stewart's okay, right? Like he's he's not injured. So he got, did you see he got fined nine hundred thousand dollars? And he only makes three million dollars. That's a sizable. He got fined nine hundred grand. Yeah, I think so. Unless I misread it, it must have been ninety thousand dollars. You think it's ninety thousand? Let me. Well, know. I will say again, my guy Gilbert Arenas, who makes a lot of interesting points, despite you know being just a total loose cannon was talking about how Isaiah Stewart was like so stupid because like you don't come at like LeBron specifically and now you're going to get like randomly drug tested and they're going to make it really hard for you and all this stuff. And I did laugh because Sham said $950,000. We can talk about Shams too. Can we, can we mention something about Shams? Like that guy is so protective of his like clutch media plug. Like he was insanely quick about like, Oh, LeBron tried to get Isaiah Stewart's number. He wanted to apologize. Like, come on, dude. Like, I had a Reddit comment about that. So let me read it. To you. It was the tweet was, um, <laughs> it shows you just like, it's, we're just making fun of it because it's such, such media shells. Um, and we would be one too, if we had the contacts. He's he's essentially trying to be Adam Schefter, which is fine. There's worse guys to be, I guess. You're just not a journalist. Yeah, no. I mean, like the idea that there's journalism is just ridiculous. <laughs> what was uh, The comment was, 
this is per Shams. LeBron tried to track down Isaiah Stewart's number after the game to apologize and let him know the hit was inadvertent. And, and then my comment was, is it really that hard to track down Isaiah Stewart's number to the point where you stop and take a break and then buzz Shams and let him know what you're up to? It's like, yo, Shams, I'm trying, I'm trying to get, Isaiah I'm trying Stewart's to do this. Number. I'm not quite done with it yet. Just I'm, letting I'm, you know, I'm fairly confident that LeBron can get anyone's phone number in the NBA faster than you could leak something to Shams. Absolutely. And so it's like, I don't, man, I just can't like Shams. We've talked about the media before and how, like, obviously when you're younger, you don't really realize the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, but like, like Shams and Adam Schefter for that matter are just at this point, like they're just so brazen about the fact that they just don't care. Like at least Woj, tries like the little cloak and dagger of like he's not trying to do gms a favor he's not trying to do caa clients a favor right like at least like Woj is trying to hide it shams just doesn't care like that guy like he went on my question is like in the world of social media lebron has a twitter is people have twitter social media whatever instagram tiktok whatever you want to say do we really need these middlemen still? Why can't LeBron I mean, I just tweet? I, that was not my intention. I, yeah, I was going to say, he could have like DM'd Isaiah Stewart, right? Like it's, there. there is so many ways to get in touch with guys. And again, it, it was interesting to see Isaiah Stewart get so angry because I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, like LeBron can get away with just about everything. And like I said, I, I don't, I'm not going to put myself in LeBron's head. I don't know that he did it on purpose. I thought the play was dirty for sure. Like I could have been worse based on how Isaiah Stewart reacted, but like, you know, I mean, I had I, I told you I was notable to me. I didn't watch the game live. So I would no, be curious not a lot of people there. don't want to watch the Pistons Lakers like, you know, on a random Sunday night. But watching the replay, it was notable to me. And I'd have to, if I was like investigating a case, I'd go back and watch how often this happens with LeBron lined up on one side of the free throw. Guy shoots a free throw. First one. Second one, LeBron switches sides to go next to Isaiah Stewart. I mean, he yeah, because they wanted to pinch Isaiah Stewart. He's okay, the but why not in the, the Pistons? But why not the first time? Why is why does he switch halfway through? Because unless were, he's plotting. No, he's not plotting. What are you talking about? It doesn't matter plotting where he is attack. on the first. It doesn't matter where he is on the first one. He just went over to pinch Isaiah Stewart. Well, I'd just be curious. If I was investigating, I would track how often he switches after the first one to pinch the best I, rebounder. Well, I don't know that he does it all the time, but I'm saying in that moment, like when you see LeBron switch and it's to line up next to Isaiah Stewart, it's because they want. LeBron to pinch Isaiah Stewart because he's the best offensive rebounder that the Pistons had. So like I didn't why know it's called pinch. That's why we have you on the show to teach us yeah. this stuff. I mean, pinching would be like when you have the two guys and, and they both try to box out. Like, gotcha. and, and so like a lot of times you'll, you'll see that happen. And, and again, I'm a little, you know, LeBron certainly hooked him like a hundred percent. And that's why I said it, it definitely was dirty regardless. And that was his plan. I'm sure like what, what you're saying is not that like LeBron was, I'm saying LeBron wasn't plotting like, hitting Isaiah, elbowing Isaiah Stewart in the head. But he certainly was plotting, like, going to Isaiah Stewart and locking him up and making sure he couldn't get the rebound. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't think LeBron's a dirty player. No, I mean. and, and but it's just, it's it's amusing because, like, you, you just would not expect to see someone of Isaiah Stewart's status go after LeBron. And, like, that's what made the thing so <laughs> what interesting. What do you think would have happened? I mean, like, some people were making fun of it, the fact that, like, even Blake Griffin liked a comment being like, Oh, he only went crazy when he wasn't next to him. I'm like, he looks like he was ready to fight. I mean, there's the no thing. doubt in my mind. I, I've said this to you before that there are certain guys in the NBA that I would never square up to because like, I wouldn't square up to anyone, obviously. But if I was an NBA player, I, I like wouldn't go after, you know, back in the day it was like Steven Jackson or like Ron Artest or now James Johnson, like wouldn't do that. Right. 
but you don't go after LeBron because like LeBron's not the one that's going to fight back. Like LeBron is the like cash king in the NBA. And so you don't want to do something stupid that jeopardizes both LeBron and the NBA when like you can't control what happens to you. And so that's kind of why I was really surprised that Isaiah Stewart was like, I mean, he must've been, he must've like blacked out. He was so angry. Right. Cause this is different. Like if, if, you know, give me a rant. If Wayne Ellington does that to him, nobody cares. Like they'll defend Have you ever Wayne been Ellington in a fight course. like that? Like in college or high school, like a fist fight, bloody drawn. Did you ask if I have? Ben? Yeah. You No. I mean, I, I would never, I don't fight anybody. Like I'm, I would never do that. I don't know not, if most, I, yeah, I don't know if most guys do or not. I, I haven't either. I'm no, sure. I mean, it's just not worth my time, but again, like you're just not going to go after LeBron because the powers that be are going to really like let you have it. And LeBron isn't going to ever fight back. Like he's not going to swing. Like he's not stupid in that regard. So, but a, a, a very fun, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, like a very fun I mean, it, hour. It is sad that like we like watching sports and we like watching violence. I mean, we do. I mean, isn't it fun to watch people fight? I mean, I don't really, I don't really watch like UFC and boxing and stuff. I know. Well, I think it's more fun to watch people fight when they're not supposed to be fighting. Yeah. That's, you know, we, we, we embrace that and like hockey and baseball bench. I'll I'll, I'll take this. This is a rule we could adopt. The less appropriate of a venue it is, the more more exciting the fight. Like if like a bride is fighting her bridesmaid on the altar, wouldn't that be the best fight? You know, I mean, I won't lie and pretend like I didn't watch like when Kimbo Slice was becoming very popular. You remember Kimbo Slice back in the day? Like, I mean, I I would love to have put some uh, Bovada money on Kimbo Slice's bum fights because I watched those on YouTube. I did not. That's inappropriate. Um, I mean, he was just fighting in people's backyards. It was great. Like, but that is a good venue, the backyard, I guess. For uh, for or if you're a Reddit fan, public freakouts. They have a lot of like inappropriate, random, you know, (laughs) ladies yelling at Target kind of stuff. That's that that actually probably happens more than we think. But all right, let's move on. A couple other. What about some actual injuries, actual drawn blood and surgeries? So So we missed Colin Sexton last week, I think. Or maybe it happened after. It happened. It happened recently. So he tore his meniscus, probably out for the year. Uh, also, Evan Mobley out for two to four weeks with the sprained elbow. We did see that last week, but pretty pretty tough break, I think, for the Cavs, who had been you know playing pretty well. And you know, in my opinion, if I was a Cavs fan, I, I would have been pretty excited about this season. And because I do think the Cavs being a playing team is real growth. Right. Like, I think there's well, and it's sort of your point about the Kings where it's like it felt like the Cavs were stuck in that nebulous. And then it's like then they hit on their lottery pick, it seemed. And Evan Mobley looks like the rookie of the year. And then suddenly maybe you are a playoff team now. Yeah. I, or at I least the, in the future. I think the tough part about the Colin Sexton thing, I, I want to look at this from two sides. Right. So in my opinion, Evan Mobley before the injury was should have been the Bobata favorite to win rookie of the year, just in terms of he, he probably wouldn't have been because his stats maybe wouldn't have been good enough in terms of what we would have seen from like. You Let's know, look Kate. it up because that yeah because maybe he's value now that he's kind of under I mean but he there. is he is averaging fourteen and eight and is pretty well known as already being one of the better big defenders in the NBA right so I, I think Evan Mobley would have had a real shot I think that's where the value was well, as long as you're on the topic let me tell you what they are Scotty Barnes has moved into the favorite role plus two hundred Cade Cunningham plus two fifty Evan Mobley plus two seventy five yeah I mean that's pretty good I think Mobley will probably end they'll, they'll bring him along slowly but oh Aldo will say this to tie the two together. Kate Cunningham was there kind of breaking up the fight. And I was really impressed with his that's, maturity and that's leadership. That's who Kate is. You know? that's, yeah. that's who he is. He's, I, I still don't think that he's going to ever be able to get by guys off. <laughs> Hold on, we'll go back to Cass in a second. Cade's shooting is not really a concern. I don't think like he'll, he'll be able to shoot it fine as a jump shooter, I think. But like 
he doesn't get by anybody's end. Like, like the, the, the slowness of Cade Cunningham, like is an issue. If you are drafting him to be a primary ball handler, he can, I just don't think he can be that guy, but he can be a very good NBA player. In my I, I still like, I like, I think he's getting better. And then I wouldn't bet this. It's a long shot, but, um, Singun, who they're not on this is your, right now. This is your guy. You love not really. Him. I mean, like stats guys loved him and he's been pretty good off the bench. 80 to one to win rookie of the year. Like what if the Houston at one point, just like, let's just give this guy 35 minutes a night. I mean, they should be doing that. Right. And that yeah, should definitely. be the plan, but, but and it's a long season. So I think Sagoon 80 to one is not a bad bet right now. But anyway, back to the back to the Cavs for a second. So I think the Colin Sexton injury is is lame. Like I, I think he's a fun guy to watch play. Whether you think he's like a really good NBA player or not, like he can clearly score and he plays very very hard. He he does work hard to like improve kind of his deficiencies. And I think for a while, I think scouts were like, ah, is he just going to be like you got to play him off the bench or like can we see him take that next leap, you know, defensively and, and kind of turn maybe into like a Gilbert Arenas type. And I think it's safe to say that he's probably not going to be that guy. I just don't think he'll shoot it at a, at a rate high enough. But he had a big role on the Cavs. And I think that the tough part about this now for Colin Sexton is obviously like, you know, he's in, in a contract year and the Cavs specifically need to decide what they want to do with him and Darius Garland. And I think, unfortunately, this will probably force the Cavs' hand, right, Zam? Like if Darius Garland is really, really good without Colin Sexton – you probably have to move on from Colin Sexton and try to improve in other areas. Because now that you do have Evan Mobley and he feels like a guy that you can absolutely like build a contender on around him being the best player, you probably need to start doing that now. Right. And so Colin Sexton might just get pipped by nature of being injured. And I think that I, I feel bad for him in that regard. Cause it might cost yeah. him some money. I, I wonder though, I wonder about his relationship with the team because if like maybe this lowers his market and allows him to take the kind of money where he could be a sixth man, I don't know. Maybe not. He's, he put up such good stats last year offensively that maybe he gets a huge contract somewhere. But I think, I mean, that's a view role I view him in, just sort of being like a good Jamal Crawford or something. Yeah. I, Your dog agrees. I guess my dog, that. my dog agrees. Yeah. I, I would say like, so he, he is, they'll, they'll give him a qualifying offer for sure, I think. Because you you can't just like you you want to be able to match, but I don't know if they'll match if they're good without him. Like if we see Darius Garland take like a big jump, I don't know if they'll match. And again, like the, the issue with the Cavs now too is that like two of their like four best players are hurt, so we might just see a real nosedive. And one of the things about Cleveland that was kind of interesting, Zan, is that like they were actually you know playing really hard and like were a fun team to watch, but. You know, like last year, they started out of the gate really hot and then lost like, you know, I think they lost like 23 of 25 or something to to close the season. But, you know, without Mobley and without Sexton, like your, your top level talent is so much worse. Like they're, they're they, they weren't like, like a deep team either. I mean, but, you know, sucks for Sexton guy who got the bag before he got injured. Michael Porter Jr. may be out for the year. They say nerve damage. Yeah, this is this really is know. this one is uh, this one's concerning. <laughs> So, just like the unknown of it all, back injuries are always problematic. This is kind of why I'm going to talk about this from like a more global perspective, right? So, so first if of you all, haven't been following, yeah, Michael Porter, like breakout candidate, he was actually the favorite to win Most Improved, despite having a good year last year. Yeah, he was that. He was the favorite on Bovada, right before yeah. the season, yeah. and came out clanking this early this season, and then now he's hurt. Maybe the two are related. I'm not and sure. And so we don't know 
we don't know if he is out for the year, right? That's the one thing about this that's kind of weird. And this is a little bit about what happened with Michael Porter before where he was like hurt and nobody really knew what was going on. And then he missed a season. He had a surgery and then, you know, he had another surgery. And so it's rumored that this is like a nerve issue. And again, not a doctor. Don't want to, I'm just reporting what I've read. This is a nerve issue and it could keep him out for the entire year. And I think that, when you talk about like the NBA being difficult, Zan, like this is, this is a prime example, right? Jokic, Nikola Jokic is the best regular season player in the NBA currently. I, I don't think there's any question about it. He's playing the best again this year. He's probably not going to win MVP because like, you know, voter fatigue, whatever, but like Jokic is just literally destroying guys. And I think that Denver probably should feel good about what their process is. And now like you just can't feel good about even the future in Denver, right? You don't know what you're getting from Jamal Murray. You just gave Michael Porter 170 million and you don't know if Michael Porter may never play again. I, I'm not saying I know that for a fact, but like a nerve injury and a back injury, right. like Zan, what, what can you possibly expect out of Michael Porter in the future? And immediately after this happened, I texted you. I'm like, should Denver just like punt this year? Cause you're so shorthanded now. And, and you made the good point. Jokic, if he's not MVP, he's top three and he's in his prime. Like you can't really tank with a guy like that unless you just like shelve him. And why would you? And maybe that's like the sort of, you know, kind of reminds me, remember when Durant left Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city's like, let's just, let's just make it a Westbrook for MVP year. And that'll be something to hang our hat on. And I think like maybe Denver, that's enough where it's like, let's get Jokic another all NBA team. Let's make the playoffs and lose in the first round. Like that's still something to like, on top of this like terrible luck. Well, wouldn't you, I mean, the hope, I guess your, your thought process here is like with Jokic, like be careful with his usage, whatever. If he's, you know, if he's banged up, don't play him. But like, hopefully you're bad enough that you can add another person. Right. Well, I I think if you wanted to totally punt, yeah. Like the idea of like Porter was supposed to be the third star that would get you a title and you need a third guy somewhere. But here, here's the problem. We've talked about this at length in terms of like NBA windows like Denver has jammed their window open, right? They, they're, they're a tax team right now. I think they'll get under the tax, but like they're a tax team. They signed Aaron Gordon. They gave Will Barton an extension. Like, yes, you can punt Zan. Like you, you can, but like you have to operate under the impression that you're going to have a couple more shots at this. And I don't think punting this year makes sense. And unless you know, if you know, Michael Porter's thing is like real bad. Right. And, and, and there's potential for that. Like we heard, you know, he did that interview with JJ Reddick where he said like the Clippers doctor told him he was never going to play again. So like somebody thought that there was some real concern, but I just don't, I just don't see how you punt with and, and, you know, 26 year old Jokic in his prime right. and contracts, you know, tied up in guys for the next two, three years that are, that are heavy spend. And it's also like hard logistically when you're start nine and eight right now. And then you look across the, the standings, like a team like Houston's already one in 16. Like yeah, I mean, you could play your bench, clear out your bench and not catch them. Right. You know? And you still maybe not, not get a top five. Like Houston right? might not win nine games a season. I mean, I mean like if they, Houston, they just don't care. It's, it's funny. Like I heard Steven Silas is going to get fired. Like, you know, it's just not going to work for him. But like, if he only wins nine games, like, didn't he actually do a good job? Like, I, you know I what guess. I'm saying? Zan? Like, I don't know. But why not? Yeah, you know, we talked about Sangoon or whatever. Like, why not play those guys? Like, what are you up to? I don't really know what they're doing. I yeah, think they may be showcasing guys for trades, Christian Wood or Gordon or whatever. Daniel Tice, maybe they trade, but they just signed him for some reason. Yeah, I, I again, I, I can I can I ask you about the psychology of a team? You've been in the locker rooms. You're a famous ex-coach. 
Yeah, super fancy. Let's say your team, like, I, I, I don't think people are looking at Denver as a title contender, but let's say your team like Portland, and you know you're probably going to be fighting, jockeying, jockeying for position against Denver, and something like Porter happens. Are you sad or are you happy? I think... <laughs> In the I Portland like, locker room, you're, you're the GM. You just learn that he's out for the year. Or let's say Jokic is out for the year. Yeah, I don't think you ever root for guys to get injured. Like, I, I understand it, it's very, like, dog-eat-dog dog in that sense. Like, you know, it's a zero-sum game. Like, if somebody else wins the game, you can't win, right? But I don't – given the nature and especially, like, how many former players there are, I think there was probably a lot of sentiment, like, man, it's glad, it's good he got paid, Right. Because I think in general, people side with the players now. Like, I think the front offices are probably like, damn, tough break for Denver that they have to pay Michael Porter. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine that those guys are, you know, feeling super sad about it. But I, I think that most of the time you'd feel bad for the player. And, and here's the thing. It's definitely, in my opinion, like, it's worse for the league. Like, I, I want to see Jamal Murray and Michael Porter healthy because Jokic is, like, amazing to watch. And I feel like, you know, on the East Coast, we don't get a ton of Denver games unless you stay up till 1030 on TNT. And like, I think it's fun to watch Jokic play. And and so if you're telling me that, like, we're going to be maybe robbed of like a lot more Jokic because the two guys just that were picked to be kind of like his running mates couldn't stay healthy. Like, that sucks. Like, that's unfortunate in, in a lot of ways. But I do. Right. But I, I don't I don't think I would write off his MVP chances because I think things like this help his MVP chances where it's like, now you're so shorthanded. And if you can get this team to the fifth seed, then you're a hero right now. He's second in MVP tracker in basketball reference to Steph Curry. Who's right now, I think the winner, but yeah, I mean, I, who I knows makes, if Steph Curry stays healthy. I think it makes sense that Steph would be the winner. I think Jokic has been better than Steph. I don't think that like Jokic's narrative is as good as Steph's, but like you said, like, you know, everybody's hurt. And then all of a sudden Jokic like leads him to the you know playoffs. It, it gets better. Right. But yeah, Yoda, it, 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 it says something, you know, I don't think Denver, again, was going to be a title team without Murray being close to 100%. But you look at Clippers are, you know, shorthanded. Denver's very shorthanded now. The Lakers have not gotten in their rhythm yet. I mean, the, Lakers the West are, is, is pretty wide open right now. The Lakers are just a, the Lakers were supposed to like build up a bunch of wins right at the start of their season because their schedule was really good. And they are nine and nine. I'm, I am not ready to pull the plug on the Lakers. I wouldn't even short them. Like if I was able to like bet on Bovada that the Lakers wouldn't. Well, make do you the have playoffs, like a? I do you, do do you still have their live? Do they still have the live over unders? I'd be curious. I don't, know. I don't have it up, but I, I just my my point is like I I wouldn't bet against LeBron, but I I do think it's pretty clear this LeBron that we're seeing now coming back from injury. You know, the ab strain is definitely something that he'll struggle with for a little while. Like that guy's not the same dude that we've seen, right? So obviously he's an amazingly good basketball player, probably, I mean, it sounds crazy to say this, but like probably still one of the 15 best. But wow. I think the days- 15? That's what I said. Like, I just think with him being like injured, like he he's not getting to the rim at the same level that he was. He's shooting shots from like deeper, like he's way more reliant on threes. He's not getting to the free throw line the same rate. And that may change- but also, like, LeBron is an older guy. Like, maybe it doesn't change. And so now he's insulated himself, right, because I would expect to see Russ improve as the season goes on, especially with Russ and Anthony Davis when Davis is the five and Russ is the point guard. Like, those lineups have actually been pretty good. So LeBron has insulated himself to the point where he is able, you know, to not have to be Superman every single game. But if the Lakers are going to be really good, it's going to be on the back of Anthony Davis being their best player. Because I just don't – I'm not saying LeBron's, like, time is over. I don't think that. 
But I think the days of like LeBron being able to throw up like a 50, 12 and nine, like he could in Cleveland and just win you a game when you absolutely have to have it. I don't know that he can get to that gear anymore, Zan. And I think. Well, to to illustrate your point, his free throw shooting career low right now attempts down to 3.1. It's almost half of it. It's real. I mean, it's. His his like advanced metrics. If you just look at his shot profiles, and like it's concerning, I think. And you've been trumpeting this for two years. Well, now, yeah, so. he's just like drifting further and further. And maybe it's Anthony Davis, or and you know Westbrook has the ball a lot. He's got a you know he's is, is the new era LeBron. He's just an enforcer now. He's he's Kendrick Perkins. You're saying does injuring guys being a bully? <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I think he's still going to be a really good player. And again, I but I you wouldn't even say top ten. I would say top I don't. 10 I don't know. Is the problem like when I watch huh. him play? Again, I don't want. I don't want. I want to reserve judgment because I want to see how he recovers. Right? Because he's you know he missed six games. Like they've they got to figure out how to play together. They, they they still need to do that. So I don't want to just say like, I think LeBron is like definitely done being a top 10 or top five player. Top 15. I mean, that's an insult. But I think, I'm going to tweet Shams right now. We got. I just think, I, I think that the concern with LeBron was always going to be like, how does he age? And because he's so smart, I think it's, it's fine. Right. I think he can play power. Well, can, can I actually, actually just like put the, the t- put the test right here. You start the season. Now everyone starts over Madden franchise mode. You just the season. I take only. a lot of players before LeBron, to be honest. Well, I'll give you one. LeBron or Jimmy Butler? Who is probably take, better I than would, top 15? I would take, I would probably still take LeBron. I mean, if I, I, but the problem is I can't guarantee health and I don't know that LeBron can stay healthy. Right. And that's, and, and I think injuries affect him more than they, they, they did in the past. And so this isn't a situation where LeBron can just like take two weeks off and just be ready to go again. We watched this with the groin injury three years ago. Like it took him a while. Like he was just done. Right. And so, like, last year, he couldn't get back healthy again. Like, it took him much longer to come back from an injury. This year, we've already seen an ab strain. Do we think that, like, that's definitely going away, Zan? And, and so, it's not so much, like, what LeBron is able to give me on the court. It's just, like, can he be this Iron Man guy that you just know you can rely on? And I think those are the days that are probably over for him. And it's not, it's not like a knock on LeBron no. at all. Like, he's defied every aging curve, like, we've probably ever seen, right? Like, he's was the best player in the NBA like two years ago. That's insane. But I just yes. think like, no, you're right. And I think, but that's why I said Jimmy Butler, because Jimmy Butler's looked at as somebody like on the fringes of the top 10, I would say. And that feels, I think he's probably, yeah. in that five to 10 range. That's fair. Uh, so like LeBron's shooting. I mean, I feel a little bad doing this, but like, so he's played eight games, right? He's playing 35 minutes a game. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. He shouldn't probably be playing that much. And the Lakers probably didn't think they'd need him to play that much against the terrible schedule they've had. But like, like you said, three free throws a game. That's the lowest by far. Like I think 5.7 was the lowest he had before that. So that's a substantial decrease. Uh, He's shooting seven and a half threes a game. That's a full extra three per game than he's taken in the past, but he's also shooting 35%. So like that's getting much worse. His assists are down. His rebounds are down. Now you'd expect those to go down playing next to Russell Westbrook. But at the same time, like he's fouling more. He's not the type of guy that can really guard your opposing best player at this point. And so it's just, I I just think that the guy's 37 years old. He's played, you know, how many minutes? Two million minutes over his career. I have no idea, but he, he always plays. He's coming off two weird seasons. He's already banged up. I just, it makes me feel like LeBron's gonna have to realize that he has to take it a lot easier if he wants to be that guy in the playoffs. Cause I, I just think that we've, we're finally seeing like a little bit of like a 
I don't know. We're, we're finally seeing him not look invincible. And I think this is well, the first time also, we've ever seen that. You talk about historical comparisons. Like Jordan was old when he won his second three-peat, but he was old as in 34. He wasn't 37. Yeah, he was 34 when he won in 98. Yeah. I didn't know he was that young. And so by the time he was 37, LeBron's age, he'd been retired for two years, three years. And then he came back to play for Washington and didn't play that right. well. He played like in his age 40 season. Then. Yeah. I, I just, and he put up 20 and six, but like he, I mean, there was for it. yeah. I mean, but he's, here's the other thing too. Like, I just think the Lakers need to play LeBron more powerful. Like he's, mm. he's, he, I think he's got about like half of his minute. I think he's like 70% of his minutes at small forward and like 30% of his minutes at power forward. And I think that needs to be flipped. Well, I, I, I thought they were frisky. There was a game that I watched where they came out with the small ball lineup, you know, LeBron at the four, AD at the five. The problem, I think they just, their, their wings are too thin. Like they had to start Avery Bradley next to Westbrook. That's a little small. They were playing THT who's decent size, but maybe better off the bench at this point. I don't know. Like he doesn't seem like he's fitting that well with LeBron. Oh, I mean, he he had a couple tough. He was pretty good when LeBron wasn't playing, and then right. he had a couple tough games like with LeBron back. I, but I think he has to play, so I don't I don't think that's an issue. And again, like I said, but like that is like if you're if you're a Lakers optimist, you'd be like, we needed one of the young guys to step up. You know, Monk, Nunn, or Horton Tucker, and maybe it's Horton Tucker. He's averaging sixteen this year. In short, I mean, there's no way though. Like Zan, I, I mean this like sincerely. Like I don't think the Lakers are cooked by any means, but there is absolutely no way that they should be the title favorite. On any website, like Nick, I mean, I know Bovada They're has third right now. Yeah, the third, like, the third on Bovada plus seven hundred, ahead of teams like the Suns, who are red hot, fourteen and three. Um, and I think the Suns are a good barometer because it's just like there's not much variance right now with them. Like they're just really good. Yeah. They won 13 straight. They haven't, we'll, we'll, we'll close on the Suns Cause it's, it's reasonable. Cause that's who eliminated the Lakers last year, but like right. the Suns have won 13 straight. It hasn't been the greatest schedule, but they're also whacking teams. They have a, the second best net net rating, I think right after golden state, or maybe after Utah. But um, I, I just think like there was this huge thing about how like, you know, Phoenix would have be, would have lost the Lakers if the Lakers were healthy. Right. Like if, if AD could play the whole series or like LeBron was, you know, hundred percent, they would have just beaten the Suns. And uh, I don't know, Zan, I don't know that I think that was true then. And I certainly uh, yeah. don't think it's true this year. <laughs> I think this is a worse Lakers team now. So as of, as of today, they, they might be better into the playoffs, but they are certainly worse today on November 23rd. Than they were, last yeah, year. and and you who knows what happens, you know. Does John Wall get bought out? Does Kevin Love get bought out? Like, do those guys help guy. though? Like, I, maybe I Love, I don't know. But the Suns, I mean, they're just really good. Like, we expected them to be about the same. They had an over under in the 50s, like, and you know, they're doing it a little bit differently. They're, they're, I think they're really improved defensively, honestly, is, is what I, you know, but it makes me think, you know, <laughs> this is this is a weird thought. But LeBron, I think is he's hopped around, obviously, and that's worked for him. You know, he's won three different franchises. But his like continued reliance on older veterans, I think, has cost him more titles than it's won him. And like this is an example maybe. of like, picking this roster. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and like- I'm, my weird thought is like, let's say he just stayed in Cleveland and got along with Kyrie Irving. And even, hey, let's keep Andrew Wiggins and develop him into something. And he's now turned into a pretty good player. Like, that could have been a team that could win 50 games for 10 years in a row. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, LeBron doesn't really have that type of, like, mindset, I don't think. At this point, I think he thought it was easier, you know, and and obviously, like, 
trying to manage like what Kyrie's expectations are about situations is, is not necessarily an easy thing, but. And he put himself in a hard situation with the Lakers, even though if the, even if they thought they were getting Anthony Davis, it was not a guaranteed title. No, I mean, there. he knew I, we talked about this before, like going to Houston or going to Philly was much smarter for LeBron than going to the Lakers. And so he didn't take the easy way out in that regard. But I do think when, when you look at Phoenix, like you said, like they're getting contributions from so many players at this point, like Devin Booker, I mean, Chris Paul's, like not been amazing. He's been very good, but I don't know that Chris Paul has been like NBA first team point guard, Chris Paul, but they're defensively, they're really competitive. They're fifth in pace. They're seventh in offense. Like this is a team that just doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. And are they going to be good enough to like power through the West again? I, I don't know the answer to that. I think it'll be interesting to see if Chris Paul can hold up. It'll be interesting to see if they can hold up on the interior. Uh, you know, they're, they're giving Frank Kaminsky a lot of minutes and he's actually been pretty good but they are still very thin inside. And, and so I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this team moving forward. But right now, like they haven't missed a beat from last year. Yeah. Good catch on Frank Kaminsky. I didn't realize how well he's playing. He's second on the team in box plus minus. He's playing 20 minutes a game. Like, I mean, as a minimum deal now he is uh, out indefinitely as of this recording, he had like a stress reaction. So I don't know if that'll continue. And that is, in my opinion, the biggest concern for the Suns is, like you can definitely play small and I think that's optimal for a lot of teams, but at a certain point, it's, just- it's funny to watch. Cause you look down the road down the highway, maybe Sacramento. It's like the suns weren't that much different than Sacramento. And then it's just like making the right decisions. Like maybe we don't need Kelly Oubre, you know, let's build around three and D wings, bring it. Maybe Chris Paul, we're ready to compete with Chris Paul. Yeah. Like the team just fits probably better than any other team. And it's probably not a situation where like, you know, Monty Williams is a big part of it. Don't get me wrong. Like you need the right coach, but at the same time, like they didn't really overreact to like, they, 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 they saw like in the bubble, like, Hey, we've got a chance. Like these guys are good. They believe in what Monty's doing. Like, okay, we'll take a big swing. And yeah. it worked. And I think like, Sacramento hasn't been in a situation just to tie it all together. You know, I went, what, what was it like three years ago, they were just around 500. Right. And they just weren't able to take that big swing. Like they got lucky and Halliburton fell to them and, and he absolutely shouldn't have. But in terms of like being ready, like, Hey, we're ready. We need one more piece. The Suns, you know, they were able to take that shot and it's ended up working out really right. well. And for that's them. funny. You mentioned Halliburton. That's the one thing they did wrong. Jalen Smith, they took over him. He's played 30 minutes this whole year. Yeah. I mean, he's just cooked, but in Phoenix, of course, but like, mm-hmm. I just think like, that's the thing with a team like Sacramento is like when you're ready. And this is, this is why I kind of like Memphis in the future is like Memphis is probably going to be in a pretty similar boat where they're like pretty good. And, and it's like, all right, now we're ready to, to decide like, what's that next step. Right. And we saw what Denver did. Like, they took a shot on Michael Porter. They traded for Aaron Gordon. And like, they just, they're like, we're going to keep our window open around Jokic. Well, Memphis is going to be there with like John Morant entering kind of like that next leap of like, is he a superstar? They're going to be able to make some decisions to be like, all right, we're going to compete for a while. And Sacramento's just not in that spot. Right. Cause one De'Aaron Fox is like, just not good enough right now. And then two, yeah. they don't have the assets or like the cap space to be able to take advantage of a big situation. And I think, I don't think it's Ben Simmons because like you have to give up so much to get him back, but like Phoenix, they didn't, they didn't have to give up anything really to get Chris Paul. No, because he was like considered a negative asset at the time. And so that's, and that's where like, you know, you got to be smart. Like James Jones deserves a lot of credit for that. And, mm-hmm. and I think like, just again, to tie it all together, like I think Sacramento was at that point and wasn't able to take a swing. And now you're, you know, you're, you're back. Worse but that, that's what's beautiful about basketball in a way where it's like fit is so important and roles are so important. And like, maybe I would do it just to try it. Like maybe Ben Simmons makes every other piece fit together. It's, po- and then- it's 
you know, it's, it's possible. It's certainly possible. Yeah. And it's I certainly think- not like a zero sum game in terms of stats and roster building where it's just like, there is a delicate finesse to it. And like you said, it's like I just, a lot easier said than done. Like you don't, you know, we talk about, well, why take Davion Mitchell? Like, who else are you going to take? It was like yeah, the ninth you, pick. You're you taking to take Josh somebody. Primo or Davian yeah. Mitchell, you know? And, and I do think, too, the other thing with Ben Simmons is I don't know that I'd want to take – if I trade for Ben Simmons now and, like, Alvin Gentry has a great, great relationship with him, like, then I'm kind of locked into keeping Alvin Gentry, right? And and I, I want to kind of be able to make all my decisions in unison or not in unison. Like, uh, Well, that that's the danger of having a GM come in after the coach. yeah. Alvin Gentry, geez, he's been around, man. He started coaching. He had a head coaching job in 94. He's literally coached everywhere. It's insane. Like, he's, <laughs> he's absolutely, like, coached everywhere. I just... Uh, he looks I, good for his age, though, don't you think? Yeah. I just, I, just, I just want... I just personally would want all my decisions to be, like, made together. Like, I would want to be like, all right, GM, this is my coach. This is the roster we're assembling, rather than, like, okay, we made this deal for Ben Simmons. It made sense at the time, but now like we have Alvin Gentry, he's not really my guy, but do I want to keep him? I know his limitations. Like, and then I win 43 games next year. And it's like, yeah, you know, and I think like that's, that's the tough part, but I think uh, a lot of stuff this week, uh, you know, Thanksgiving coming up, there'll be some games for people to watch, but uh, we recorded a day early just because I have a lot of cooking and prep work to do. Do you cook? You actually cooked yourself. I'm going to have to cook some. Yeah. So but uh, hopefully the NBA will keep the content coming and uh, we'll have more stuff to discuss. But uh, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. We're still going to do the mailbag episode. So oh, yeah. I forgot about that. We'll we do forgot that. about it this week. We did, get, mailbag. we did get some questions. Uh, so we'll probably save those for when there's less stuff to talk about because that yeah, does happen violence. in the doldrums of the league. But uh, email us questions. Andrew Gallison, Enjoy gmail.com. Thanksgiving in the land you stole. Yeah. Um, probably have to cut that but uh we uh appreciate everyone who listens and as in as always buddy <laughs> take care it's a pleasure thanks for listening to the underdog sports nba show with your host tyler laurie and zandrick ellison tune in next week for more nba storylines and news 